In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. All right, well, welcome back, everyone, to the Kogan Conversation. I have a really special guest. Uh, his name is Archie, and he has been trying to reshape the d- discussion around mental health, and which is near and dear to me because I used to work with a, a lot of mental health patients mm-hmm. in the criminal justice system of Milwaukee. So, Archie, welcome. Thank you. Tell me about yourself. How's it going? Yeah, man, I'm pumped to be here. Number one, I could listen to your voice forever, like in a, <laughs> like in a non-creepy way. Like when I was listening to your podcast, I was like, okay, now I'm just going to go to sleep. This is perfect. <laughs> I mean, perfect, perfect. Um, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, so as he said, my name is Archie. The long last name is Messer Smith Bunting. Uh, when my husband and I got married, we decided to hyphenate. And so now we have the longest name known <laughs> to mankind, but whatever. Uh, I've also uh, more recently become known as the feelings guy, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about that. But it's because I, um, I really focus on feelings. And I think that we don't talk about and focus on feelings enough. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, um, my work really centers around mental health, suicide prevention and recovery work. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, I did not want to butcher your last name. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so there's the real reason. Yeah, you know, actually, it's one of those names that in real life, it it actually looks I mean, it sounds like it looks, you know, like it's it's terrifying because it's very long. And it my our son's name is never going to fit on those little bubbles. Remember the little bubbles you have to fill <laughs> yeah. out like it's never going to fit. Uh, yep. But it's 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 all right. It's it's all good. Well, you know, I've gotten throughout, you know, uh, elementary school, high school, college, and in professional life, I have, uh, it's pronounced Kogan, but I've gotten Coogan, Coggin. It's just, you know, I, I don't have an umlaut over the O, so I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, we're getting fancy today with the umlauts. All right, I see you. I mean, you know, but like you could have like, you know, a, co- a cool like Twitter handle, like Coogan the Cougar. Like it could be, it could be cool, right? Like you could, we could do a little rebranding, you know? That Well, Coogan the Cougar is my OnlyFans uh, account, so. Oh, okay. Point for you coming out swinging at the beginning. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. No, so I, I came across you and I, I know, uh, you know, you actually obviously have more uh, experience in, in mental health work and working with people with uh, who are going through difficult times as, as you yourself have gone through difficult times. Um, my only experience was working two years in a pretrial service agency that was a nonprofit in Milwaukee County. And uh, I was trained and certified in a bunch of different mental health capacities, working with different people and trying to uh, strip the, you know, treating someone like a number in the court system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to be an advocate for them while they go to the mm-hmm. judge and tell the judge like, hey, this guy's doing good, you know, uh, yeah. let's try to help them out. Yeah. But, you know, your work is so important. And I, I want to, before we get into the conversation, I want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank you for being strong enough and having the courage to tell your story and help others who need to hear words of wisdom from someone who's actually been through the ringer. So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to get into it, why you wanted to tell your story, and why is your story so important to inform others who are experiencing this rather than having someone like me who has no personal experience with it? Hmm. Wow. Well, first of all, that's... um. That was really nice. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's funny in this. Uh, I consider myself a helper, so I don't. I don't have. Um, I'm not a therapist. I have no desire to go back to like zero desire to go back to school. I've got my two degrees, and I'm good. Uh, and people have said, you know, do you think you'd be more marketable as a therapist? And I'm like, no, I don't, because. And to kind of lead into your point, um, so I am. A, I'm a recovering drug addict. Um, I've also spent. <laughs> decade in therapy. Uh, and I'm a big proponent of therapy, big proponent of therapy. But if, I, if I'm being really, really transparent, looking back through, you know, my both of my rehabs and um, all the outpatient and, you know, the psych wards and like all the things like I, I took advantage of all the opportunities that were provided to me. Let's let's put it like that. Uh, the the therapist and the the counselors and, and, and you know, people like yourself who who came in to support, um, whether it be um, in the in-between home when you're like, you know, you go from this place in rehab to this place. The ones that I connected to the most were the ones that could look at me and say, dude, listen, I know exactly where you've been. I don't know what the answer is, but let me tell you what worked for me. Now, I'm not saying that people who have not struggled with addiction cannot be addiction counselors. Please don't tweet that because that is not what I'm saying. I think that there's a, there's a place for anyone that wants to do this work because there's so much work to be done. But for me, for Archie personally, 
now to be able to be on a college. Well, I don't go any, I don't go to campuses anymore. But you know, when we when we can all travel again. Right now, I talk <laughs> to this this laptop, this green light all the time. Um, but I still, you know, one of my first uh, one of my first presentations this semester. Um, I, I always give the students my number. Always, like I don't I don't care if it's a it's a college presentation, high school, church, corporate America, whoever it is. You got my number. Like my phone rang like right afterwards, and this kid was in some. I believe he was in suicidal distress, and we got him connected quick. And I I don't think that would happen if I if I wasn't open about you know my life and my past. And so that's really why I decided to do this work. And then in January, I decided to do it full time because but until then, I'd been kind of like, you know, it was my side hustle. Like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. kind of speak. But I was like, you know, my voice matters. I believe I'm good at this. Let's go do this thing. Um, and that, that's really why, because I, I can't. St- it drives me bananas when people say, I know how you feel, man. And I'm like, um, <laughs> right. Do you actually know what it feels like to wake up and ICU with a tube down your throat telling you you've been died, you died the night before? I bet you don't. Um, uh-huh. Unless you do. And then if you do, come on, Leslie, and let's talk. Otherwise, say something like, you know what? I had no idea. I'm here. Like we just that those like, I know how you're feeling. It's so un- unintentionally, you know, condescending, but like we got to start saying something else. So that's why I do this work. I, one of the biggest things that I've, I struggle with, with whether it be uh, friends or family and not not anyone specifically and not obviously intentionally, but when I discuss what I used to do, so right, I, I used to work in social service, but now I work as a researcher and doing, trying to, to get more policy angled help, okay. help that way. But, um, when I used to work in social service, a lot of the things that came up were, you know, well, that person was a criminal. He committed a crime. He gets what he has coming yeah. to him yeah. or yeah. addiction yeah. is a choice. And all, you mm. know, all that horrible language that doesn't actually help the human behind the story. Um, mm. it, that, that's always been my uphill battle is how, how do we, you know, whether someone committed a crime or not, or whether they have a rap sheet or not, uh, how do we get them to a point in which, you know, we're not allowing them to be consumed and spit out by the system that kind of perpetuates the, the, the habit, you know, um, and the resentment of, of the court system, the resentment of society that doesn't take care of you. Uh, how do you go to someone or I- I- even in your own story, how do yeah. you approach yeah. someone like maybe an elder conservative in a church who doesn't think anything other than, you know, be good? What, you know, how do you break through that tension, you know? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. And I'm so glad you asked the second question because I was like, I don't have an answer for that first one. So I hope that's not the question because if I had that answer, child, I would be, it'd be, it'd be a different different life I was living. But I, mean, I don't know what that answer is. So I think the second, the answer to the, your, your, your question there and to anyone who's listening, like how do you approach this? The only way you can approach it is with a ton of grace. That's it. Because I, and, and, and the reason I feel that, that way is because I was given so much grace. I mean, if back in my active addiction, if I could screw you out of a dollar to get more drugs, I was going to do it. If I could lie to you so that I didn't have to do something so I could get high, I was going to do it. Um, And I was given and people, well, the people that are still in my life, I guess we should say, chose to give me grace. So who am I not to give grace to someone who actually wants to try to figure it out? Um, the day after the, so that's, that's my answer. Grace. Um, but let me say this, the day that, um, so I grew up in the church and I, I used to be a minister and, um, there was a lot of trauma <laughs> that comes from growing up in the church gay. And, uh, so the day, I guess about a year ago, um, I've kind of lost all track of time, but at some point the United Methodist church decided to have another vote about whether, you know, the, the gays could be a part of the church and whatnot. And um, they voted against it, surprisingly. And mm-hmm. um, and I used to be Methodist, and that really impacted me. And so at at, at church the next day, my husband and I, and I go, go to church, uh, great Presbyterian church. And I, I'd never said anything. And, you know, they do prayer requests. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to stand up and say something. So apparently I talked for like 10 minutes. And I mean, I thought it was like two seconds, but I was crying and because I was so overcome. Oh, it was Youth Sunday. So I was I was like literally seeing the youth and I remember Youth Sunday. And I was like, I wouldn't have this up. Like, what is what is going on with that? Like, I'm used to like the courts deciding if I have rights. <laughs> but now we're talking about the church deciding if I have rights. And this this man came up to me afterwards. He was so sweet. I mean, he was with a cane, like so really, really old. And he was like, I just want you to know that I love you and that you're welcome. I think it's really important that we continue to accept the transgender community. And I was like, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's important too. I'm not exactly transgender, but I was like, you know what? I, we're just going to go with it. We're just going right. to, because, because his intent was so pure, even though just all the wrong words. And so you have to, you have to give grace because to your point, he was, he's a perfect example of this human that like probably three years ago was like, what's going on? And now he's right. like, come on in transgender people. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think he's actually said transgenders. And I was like, uh, we'll just go leave that one alone. Yeah. But yeah, lots of grace, lots of grace. That 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 I think that's a great way to look at it. I I think uh, I think too much of how we're talking about this stuff too. And I, I, in your bio, you talk about how you, you kind of want to cut through the BS and the, the hand holding yeah. and the politeness. You, we have yeah. to talk about these issues. Yeah. And I think a lot of this uh, walking on eggshells and trying to you know give participation trophies to everyone to make everyone feel good is is almost the wrong. It's like well intentioned, but the path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, how how do we have an honest conversation when our whether they be political leaders or educational leaders or leaders in our families aren't willing to be the examples to have these conversations? Mm. What's the easiest way to break through? Is it is it to mm. get on podcasts like this and start from the ground up, or is it to lobby Donald Trump or Joe Biden on Twitter incessantly until they talk about it? You, you know, what's the everything's hypersensitive right now with pol- yeah. politics, of course, is injected. Politics. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Yeah. 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 I wondered how long because I've listened to you. So I wondered how long it's going to take us to get to politics. Um, <laughs> I didn't I, mean to. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Come on. It's, it's impossible not to these days. Um, I so I don't really think lobbying Donald Trump is going to do anything. So that's my personal opinion. Let's just let's just hold out a few more minutes here. Uh, but so a, a large piece of what I do is in the college space. And I was um, and of course, all the conferences have changed. So everything now is pre-recorded. So I'm like Friday, like I'm frantically making these videos that are normally done in person. And and I said and I was just like you, I was like, do I tiptoe into this? But I was doing a pres- the presentation was on leadership. And so I said to the humans. Listen, I want you to take this exactly what I'm saying as I'm saying it and try not to read too much into it. But what I need you to not do right now is look at our leaders in Washington and think that that is a leadership that I need you to have. Because being the loudest person does not mean you're the best leader. Just continuing to say something. Oh, I can say over and over and over again, the sky is raining glitter. I can say <laughs> it 45 dang times and it's still not true. So you know, I think we're in this really weird place where we have young people looking up to see, oh, this is leadership. And I'm actually terrified of what leadership's going to look like for like the next decade. And the people like the high schoolers coming into college, like, I don't know what I'm going to get in three years. I'm like, where did you think that that was? And I'm like, oh, I know where you thought that was a good idea. Never mind. Okay. Let's try to, re- <laughs> so let's try to reframe that. So um, I think that I think that all paths are helpful. The thing I love most about podcasts, and especially especially a podcast that is willing to have the difficult, uncomfortable conversations. If we're thinking about dudes, like just do I don't care if you're I don't care how you identify sexually, a dude. Um, we have this innate desire not to talk about anything. We don't want to talk about things. And like, I'm definitely not going to talk to another dude. So now let's jump into like straight men, which I'm not one. So I can't, I can't, you know, I don't know how you feel. But but from <laughs> my work and all the research I've done, straight dudes really don't talk to each other about feelings. So they're not going to watch a TV show or they're not going to go like, but they could find your podcast and they could put it in their ears and they could hear stuff that was like, oh, wait a minute, there's help for me. And so I think the, the medium of podcasting that really has come alive in the Pandi- I, I really think it's going to save lives. I truly believe that because it it gives people the the beginning steps to then feel normal to then go ask for help. So I think answer your question all the ways. You you do the lobbying. I'll do the speaking. Let's get people. Let's get people's eyes and and minds open to helping try to find a solution. I, I think you're 100 right. And I, I I I mean as a, as a straight male, I will uh, I totally admit that I know that I bottle things up more than I should. Um and and that that's not to to, to and that, that's another problem too, is that we probably shouldn't be comparing to each other in the great walk of life because we're sure. all, you know, different strokes for different folks. But, yep, yep. you know, I have my own personal stresses, whether it be at work or even doing this damn podcast, you know, sometimes it just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I, th- I think from a therapeutic level, I think just being able to talk to people and finding people and, you know, reaching out and saying, Hey, let's go for a coffee. Hey, let's hop on a podcast. Hey, that's just, you know, if you and I wanted to hop on a conversation without being recorded, I think yep. that, uh, that ability nowadays with technology is great, but I think the adverse effect of technology, I, and I don't yeah. know your personal timeline, yeah. but yeah. how much did 
our hyper connectivity and our ability to doom scroll on Facebook during the pandemic, everything is falling apart. You know, how much has mental health really, really suffered and, and mm -hmm. been, you know, I guess in some ways more uh, like loudly apparent that we know mm -hmm. it's a problem, but also mm -hmm. there is more of it. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, what do we do with the social media issue now? Because that's a big problem with, with mental health. And I don't know how to combat yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Bro, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's such a double-edged sword uh, because the the ability to reach people virtually has really transformed the way that we can reach people. Um, you know, I I was booked um, most every Tuesday, Wednesday evening, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening of, of for months there. Like once we got back in the school year, in in the beginning of the March, I wasn't making any money and it was terrifying. And I was like, what have I done to myself? This is this is a horrible idea. <laughs> but then people were like, oh, maybe we should talk about mental health. Um, there's a there's so, so I think I think as we like as we look at like mental health numbers and and uh, rates of suicide attempts to completion, I think we need to be really cautious because everything is a little bit skewed right now. And there's mm -hmm. and 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 understandably so. People are not focused on collecting that data at this moment. So I think we need to be cautious about, you know, numbers in general, although I'm a big fan of data. Um, I think we need to be a little cautious. But I look to um, there's a there's a resource called Mental Health America. And so you can go to this website and you can enter in um, your information like you can take basically take a survey. Um, it's like it's like with people if they think that they might be an alcoholic. You go to Alcoholics Anonymous and you're like, check, 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 check. Hmm, I might should go to a meeting. It's the same sort of thing where you can go and you can, um, it, it will suggest to you whether you should have another conversation about anxiety and depression. And so there were 1.5 million people that took this assessment from January to the beginning of October. And there was a 97, 93% uh, increase in uh, people that may need to talk about depression and then 62% in anxiety. Those are massive numbers. And, and let's remember, this is just 1.5 million people actually went and checked these boxes. So nobody, nobody is in disagreement, data or no data, that we have a storm coming after the storm. Like mm -hmm. there's another crisis coming and it's a mental health crisis. But, but bro, you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, I thought the election was going to be two days, you know, like three weeks later. Um, I was I was still not I mean, for the, for a while there, I was doom scrolling all night long. I was like, what is happening? What's going on? And and, and I and I'm, I'm the mental health guy. So I know that this is bad for me, but I'm still at two in the morning, like waking up, like refreshing everything. And so it is a huge double edged sword. And and our youth are who are hurting the worst right now. Um, the, the rates of depression and suicide uh, attempts and completion among um, youth and especially black and brown and LGBT youth are through the roof. Um, and, and so we as a nation, I believe, really need to put some emphasis on like, how, what are we doing to support these people? Like, how, how, we, how are we helping our youth so that we have a tomorrow? Do, do you think, and this is, this is more philosophical than it is political, but where do you think the helping hand needs to come from? Do you think it comes from having leaders at the top allocate resources or is it more community-based like you and I together start a, a startup and help people at the community level? Or is, are, is it maybe more so a conjunction of both where we kind of roll back some certain regulations to help smaller businesses start up and have more nonprofits flourish? What do you think the best yeah. solution is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's try all the puzzle pieces. Um, I mean, for one, I do think that peer education, peer mentoring is where it's at. I mean, that's just, there's so much data behind that. Uh, and, you know, when I when I do speak to high schools, I really make sure that there is a high school mentoring program in place mm. because it's it's one thing for me. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I mean, I know I look good. I'm straight boys moisturized. Let me tell you, moisturized. It'll come out. It'll help you later in life. Um, that's a little <laughs> added plug. Uh, I, you know, I'm a 40-year-old man. So although I'm very honest and they listen and they lean in, I'm still not their peer. So there's a difference in me saying, I've been diagnosed with, you know, a major depressive disorder. I have clinical depression. Here's what, you know, here's what, and, and, and then their peer saying, you know what? I was hurting this summer and I went to the, I went to talk to a therapist and I found out that like, I'm bipolar and I take medicine for it. And then everybody else will be like, cool. Like that's what needs to happen. Like that's, that's where the win is. But it'd be really helpful if at the national level we could normalize, like why, you know, I, I've used this example a couple of times and she knows I'm doing it, but um, at the beginning of the pandemic of all times, my mom was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer and mm -hmm. she just finished chemotherapy. 
Wait, 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 did you grow up in Minnesota? Is that right? Minnesota, Michigan, some really cold place with an M? <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, the other side. Okay, well, I'm dyslexic. So we'll, we'll pretend like that that's my dyslexia, but it's not, that's not my dyslexia, but we'll pretend. Um, so in, in, the, in the South, if, if someone, if there's something like this, people bring a dish to your house. Do they bring dishes where you're from? They bring, okay, they bring a dish. Well, they bring well a- my, 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 so a lot of my dad's side is from Mississippi. So I grew up a lot, a lot of my childhood was spent in Mississippi. So I know the Southern culture, but. Okay. So you bring a dish and you're like, can I pray for you? And blah, blah, blah. Okay. If I were to say, well, I mean, I have said, you know, I suffer from major depressive disorder. It, I don't get a dish. <laughs> I mean, like no one's, no one's, they're like, Ooh, let's stay away from this guy. And like, what's that about? My mom did nothing to get ovarian cancer. I did nothing to end up with depression. It, we got to normalize it. If, if we don't normalize it at the highest level, there is no trickle down, in my opinion, in my opinion. Do, do you think that's maybe because, and this might be a controversial question, but I, I ask it almost because it, I, I've heard people who don't understand mental health ask this question. Um, so it's not my own belief, but people who... Uh, kind of get sucked into the quote unquote fad of depression where it's almost like an attention seeking thing mm-hmm. or mechanism. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's anything mm-hmm. there that it's like a young kid who has, who's misdiagnosed or re overdiagnosed ADHD or, or whatever, you know, is there some truth to that or is it just all, you know, I, I don't know what the best way to no, phrase it is. No, I understand what you're saying. And I'm going to answer it this way. So I, I talk a lot about the facts that I believe that words matter and it also drives me bananas when I am on the campus and like, you know, I'm visiting like the student activities office or the residence life office, or whatever. And somebody plops and I'm like, oh, I'm so depressed. And I want to be like, are you really? Are right. you sad? Because I bet you might be sad. Are you depressed or sad? And I, I think that the word depressed has just become like, I want to, I want to Coke. I'm depressed. Like it's literally become just, and so for, for those of us who literally do suffer with actual depression. And I'm not saying that like, you know, Alan can't be depressed. That's not what I'm saying. But we we throw these words around. Um, you know, people that do not have ADD are like, oh, I'm ADDing out. Are, are you really? Or are you just having trouble focusing? Mm. Which one is it? So, in, in, and maybe it was in, an, I don't know, I'm going to give people a lot of credit here. Maybe in a, in, I don't even believe this, in an attempt to normalize the word, we said it more. I don't really believe that, but like maybe that's what happened. Um, so by saying I think we need to normalize it does not mean I think we need to bastardize the words uh, because it, it it's really hurtful to those of us who, you know, or I'm feeling schizo today. Really? You yeah. just said that out loud? I mean, but it's, we've all heard those things. Maybe some of us have said those things. And if you if you're one of those people and you're listening and you're like, I've said those things. Just make a commitment tomorrow to not do it again. Like we can't go right. back in time. Um, that that's not that's not helping or normalizing. Yeah, and no, I I completely agree. And I I think a lot of what I've experienced with working with people who are so the way that my office was set up in in the pretrial agencies, I would I would actually have to physically go down and get people out of the jail once they paid paid their bail, and I'd walk them up to the office, and the judges would give them a certain supervision level, whether they had a drug test or not, breathalyzer or not, all that good stuff. Um, and of course, it was all factored into whether you had a previous violent crime or if you had previous yeah. addiction problems or you you know, marked all the boxes for certain things. Um, and I had a lot of people who would, would come through who, who didn't really give a shit until they met a case manager like me or my colleagues who sat them down and and met them where they're at and said, Hey, you're doing a good job. You you know, affirmation is my favorite word. Um, but you know, (laughs) you're doing a good, you're doing a good job. And I, I understand that this is a bunch of bullshit. You know, personally, I don't think the judge is an asshole, but the system is an asshole and he's part of the system and he's a human being and humans make mistakes and humans are flawed. Um, but again, taking that human element and trying to wade through the, the quote unquote, helping a criminal, is it a very sexy word to sell to a taxpayer who's voting? So how does how do we get to the policy level where we sell to taxpayers yeah. that, hey, actually helping on the front end with mental health, whether it be in criminal justice or just in mental health in general, how do we show them that actually down the road in the yeah. back end, we save more money because we don't have this plethora of problems, you know? Yeah. Dude, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, yes, you're really, really good questions. I had all these really, really wonderful answers. Um, but I mean, that, that's such a, that's such a, there's so much there. Uh, I mean, my first thought goes to the, to the, the, just the truth that I feel like that 
the media also, I believe, is a double-edged sword. And, um, you know, I, you, I, I bet you've done this. During the election, did you go back and forth between two very specific stations to see how things were being reported? And, More than two. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, huh, that's what's happening right now? Um, yep. I, uh, you know, during the beginning, beginning of the pandemic, because um, growing up in the South, I have a lot of very conservative friends, right? So I wanted sure. to kind of see, I wonder what they're watching. And so I watched this network and I was, I literally started crying because I couldn't, I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, this is what's happening. So we're, we're taking humans who have made a bad choice. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, some choices that people make, I made some horrible choices. I just happened to not get caught. You know, I'm also, I'm also white. So I probably would have had a very different experience had I, had I been caught. Sure. Um, but, you know, the sensationalism of these acts that are hap either happening or not happening. I'm not going to give credit to, or, you know, um, uh, add to anything. It, it, we're seeing, we're just seeing these, this play be applied out as a, as bad people. And, and, and I, there are some bad people in the world. That's factual. There are, some, there are some people that wake up with evil intent. That is factual. There are also people who are struggling with mental illness, and we are just categorizing them as bad people instead of taking the time to figure out what the fork is going on. I mean, I just, I just don't believe that in the past like seven months, America has just exploded with millions of bad people. Like I just, I, I, I choose not to believe that. I believe that people are hurting. There's a lot of undiagnosed mental illness out there. And because of the stressors of the pandemic and all the social uprising that happened, we've poked people one too many times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the 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 stuff, the ish they could keep in before um, came bubbling out. So we, again, we have to figure out a way. And, and so this is on the media. This is on people who have a voice like you. Um, this is on politicians. We've got to normalize people that are hurting and saying, let's just pause for a second. Let's just don't lock the key away, you know, lock the door, and, you know, whatever, whatever that saying is. Let's see what's going on here. And then let's figure it out. Uh, because we're just creating this culture of like, if you make this bad choice, especially if you're black or brown, then it's just over for you. And like, I, I don't, I, I don't actually want to be a part of that world. Yeah. And I, I think part of the, part of the problem too, is, is we have this culture of celebritization or dependency of people in power. And it's almost like we immediately when something happens like COVID-19, uh, we immediately look to Washington, D.C. to say, hey, we need money now. Now, I'm not saying that the not, you know, give, giving stimulus checks isn't the wrong answer. I, I think that we're at a point where we need to have some relief. Sure. However, the root of the issue of where we ended up in this, why, we, why are we living in a system where people are living paycheck to paycheck and now paycheck. one little bad thing happens, yeah. you know, you're already at your stress wits end before the pandemic and then the pandemic hits and the people that are supposed to be taking care of you aren't taking care of you. Well, maybe they shouldn't be the ones taking care of you. Maybe we need to have a better system in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, that's a huge philosophical political conversation about policy, but I, I, I fear that we've almost set our own selves up for failure because we've we've created this culture in media that it's like, well, the minute Donald Trump tweets something, everyone has to talk about it. And it's like, he is either your savior or he is your devil. And same yeah. with Joe Biden, same with any yeah. politician. And that, yeah, that's yeah, such yeah. a, it's a big problem for me, you know? Yeah. No, I, I hear you, man. And I, um, I mean, I, I mean, it's probably no shock that I'm happy the way the election turned out. I think happy sure. is the wrong word. Um, but I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. I mean, it's just, it's so, and this goes back to my leadership issue or my leadership worry. It's just so divisive. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I mean, I can say for certain growing up, I did not think that's what leadership was. I did not think this is how I get something done. Or if I don't win, I mean, I lost the vice president election when I was, you know, student governments and I didn't want to recount I didn't, I didn't like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be the vice president. Like that never crossed my mind. And that will absolutely happen. We will absolutely see news stories of students and their parents demanding hand recounts. They want to be in the room because there's no way Johnny lost. That will absolutely happen. And it's just chipping away at like any faith that any of us have in each other. So like, you know, if we look at that, then maybe I guess I should give people a lot more grace. If people don't have faith that we can't count numbers and you know decide something, 
then maybe they do think that I'm making it up. Maybe they do. Maybe they do really believe that when I say that I can't get out of bed, I'm just lazy. That I, right. I just want to lay in bed and like eat ice cream all day. I mean, I do, but that's not that's you know that's <laughs> not the point. The, the the point is like sometimes I really can't get out of bed. Um, so may, maybe it's too much of a leap right now to think that that someone's going to get on that train. Doesn't mean I'm gonna quit trying, but you know I, I don't know. Maybe we're too far down the path. I don't know. Well, that, that you bring up a good point because I was going to ask you this next: is you know is incremental change better than no change? Because obviously the answer to me is yes, but yeah, yeah. You know, I think it depends on the issue, of course. But yeah, I, I, like you, I think we want to have the change tomorrow, and everyone does better. But that can't happen. How to? How do you go to? Whether it be stereotypical conservatives who you know are anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ, yeah. anti-helping quote-unquote criminals or mental health or any of that stuff, um, how do we frame it in a way that you know maybe is attractive to them and saying, hey, well, you know. Maybe uh, if you look at it this way, it saves you money or it's, it gives you more money, it gives you more power. Is that the way we have to go? Is that do we have to sacrifice our our humanity and give them the more the greedy car, used car salesman pitch to try to get <laughs> to where we want to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at that level, probably. I mean, they probably need to see the data. And as I said, the data is um, the data is still coming. Like if you look at the data right out of out of Japan, right after the pandemic. Um, well, after after it began to hit Japan, the numbers in suicide and the numbers in um, people uh, reaching out by being depressed actually dropped. Mm. Um, well, that in like the month afterwards. Well, that's not really shocking if you know anything about you know uh, disaster crisis theory and you know how humans react after a pandemic. Because right after like a, a major issue, we all tend to pull together. Like think about America. Like in March, we're all like we're in this together. I'm not going to go anywhere that lasted for like 2.5 seconds. And then we're like back to like, I have a right to go to, to, you know, the, the, the theme park. And I'm like, what? Um, uh, but then if you look at Japan, like two months after that, there was like a 17% increase. So it, it's like, I, I think of this, all, I think of this whole thing kind of like a dragon. This is, this may be like a layman's analogy, but it makes sense to me. Like for a, a lot of us, we think we just have to avoid the fire in the teeth. That's what we have to avoid. You know, if, if we can manage to stay inside, if we can manage to, you know, hide or whatever, and we can avoid the fire in the teeth, we're good. What mm -hmm. we don't know is that when we turn around to walk away, the tail is going to knock the crap out of us. And that that's that's my fear is that we got this tail coming. So if it takes numbers to get our politicians and our at, at the local and the state level to to buy into the fact that, hey, if we put some money on the front end here, then in the back end, we're not going to have all this, you know, whatever. And I think that the, the good news is the people, at, you know, the people with the degrees at all the big places are also screaming at the top of their lungs. We have we have the tail coming like, yes, we got to get this vaccine. We got to get, you know, y'all seat belts don't save lives. Wearing seat belts save lives. Let me just say that. Like, we got to get a vaccine. People got to take it. Then there's another crisis coming. And we all need to be collectively ready to pick up that load uh, because it's coming. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that too is we, we've our culture is straight away from just personal responsibility and empathy for others. <laughs> uh, That's an understatement. It, yeah, it really is an understatement of the year uh, for a year that has lots of understatements. But <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't know what the right action is because we're at, we're at this impasse where we, you know, you have half the country calling for policies to make people do things because they don't do it on their own. And then you have the other half of the country saying that, well, if you don't want to do it, then that's your own choice. And it's almost like I, I, I want to strip all the government po political bullshit away yeah. and say, how about yeah. we just take care <laughs> of each other? Like what happened to <laughs> what, what happened to loving thy neighbor and, and religion aside, just taking care of each other. What, what's going on? You know, I, well, because, because loving that neighbor really always only meant loving that neighbor that looks and acts like you. That's what yeah. it really always only meant. And I think that, um, uh, you know, is, oh, so I, I, I live in my head a lot. Um, and I was thinking about, there was this, there's this, there's this nursery song that we learned in church, like Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Have you ever, have you thought, ever thought about like the way that the color is like red and yellow, black and white? And I was like, yeah, but I bet what they really meant was just white and white and white and white. Like that's, <laughs> but, but we had to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that's yeah. so horrible to say, but like, that's kind of how I feel that it, 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 it really like, I'm going to love you if you look, believe and feel like me. If you don't, 
like civil discourse has just evaporated. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm very fearful of how we engage and I mean, I was always fearful for the little gay kid who grew up in, you know, Wisconsin or Minnesota, like on the farm by himself. Like I was always fearful for that kid. I'm more fearful today because I I I feel like that it's become okay just to beat you up or just to say things, you know, say things about you. So like empathy, like I don't <laughs> I don't know what that even looks like at the highest level anymore. So we actually do need to love thy neighbor not just love thy neighbor that looks like you. That's what we actually need to do. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder if, you know, that, that the, the gay kid growing up in a conservative town, obviously it's like it, overall in the bigger picture of the world, things are more accepted, but at the same time, yeah. Yeah. it's like it's like personal personal choices and in your own community, people don't care, but the it's almost like the, the bigger picture got more offensive and and not not non inclusive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know. I, and I don't know if that makes sense. It's it's like no, you. It does. It does. It, it's a it's a it's a weird situation. I think you're right, and I don't know. Maybe in your personal experience with your startup, um, which I want to talk to you about that too, and all, sure. all the great stuff you do. But when you started this, did, have you met any barriers to people who are saying like, no, I don't want to get into that? Or is it now that you're on the ground, boots on the ground, grassroots, you actually have a little bit more hope because people stripping away all of the bullshit that's at the political level, you actually have good people who want to help. And it's like, we're yeah. just being fed at the, at the media level and what we're seeing at the political level that you know people just hate each other, which I, I think can be true, but maybe when you dig through and weed through all the BS, maybe it's not true. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, uh, there's a lot there. Um, I mean, you're right. As it's it's like the more things become accepting, the less they become accepting. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. It's a better way to put like, it. Like <laughs> like my husband and I watched a movie last night. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it because I, w- I wish I could give it a good plug. Uh, oh gosh, it'll come to me. Um, but it was uh, it was a it was a movie about a uh, it, you know it's a, it a Christmas movie and um, it wasn't on Hallmark. Uh, but like a, a guy goes home from New York, of course, he lived in New York because he's gay, of course, um, <laughs> to like see his mom and like the stable hand. Um, these are like adults. It's also gay. And it's like they're calling falling in love story. And in and like we checked and they were both played by gay gay men, which made us happy. You know, that like gay oh, wow. people yeah. got cast as gay people. Um, yeah. And I mean, it was like I'm 30 something years old and there was a man kissing another man on TV. And I was literally crying on the couch. I mean, I remember Melrose Place. I don't know how old you are, but I remember Melrose Place when like the kiss and it wasn't even a kiss. Like he like, I think that's probably when I knew it. I was definitely gay. Like he leaned in for the kiss and then went to commercial break. And it was, it was a huge scandal that Melrose Place had like two gay characters and neither one of them were gay in real life. Um, but it, it, you know, so, so one, the little kid in Wisconsin, you know, can watch that online when his parents aren't watching and feel like he's normal. That's, mm-hmm. that is a miracle. I mean, really a miracle in America in my belief that we're there. But on the other side of the fence, it, 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 has, become, it has become okay to say that I hate you or to call right. you names from a podium, like with cameras on, like that's become okay. So it's, it's like we've, yes, things are accepting. We have left, we have let the, um, the intolerance genie out of the bottle. And I'm not sure the intolerance you need can get back in the bottle. I just don't know if it's possible uh, because it, we've just said whatever you want to. And on one hand, like, okay, great. I know what you think now. But on the other hand, like, I'm like, oh my God, I know what you think now. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> now I have to deal with this idiocy that you are. Yeah, that that's and that's a big thing too with, the, is it is it better that we know that those people are out there? Uh, so we can so. get rid of them and not, I don't mean get rid of them. I don't mean get rid of them in a, in a violent I, I way. You don't mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Because I, you know, you, uh, we get to choose the people that are connected to us. And I think there's this like fallacy uh, or this, um, this myth in my, in my opinion, it's a myth that just because they're your family, they're in your life. What? No, no, yeah. I'm not going to be connected to you. If you don't think that my husband and I should be married and have a child, I don't, you don't, I don't need, you don't need to be part of my life. Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be a part of that. So I think it's for some people, I'm like, nope, I'm not friends with you anymore. Like I don't. And people are like, that's really closed minded. And I'm like, uh, no, it's not. That is practicing self-care at its finest. I don't need to be connected to bigots and to, to racist. I don't. And I get to make that choice. And so, yeah, we know. And so great. 
he'll go have your little racist colony. Please keep the white sheets off. You know, keep keep those off and just stay over there and like be racist with each other and like don't mess with anybody else. Like maybe that maybe that's the answer. I don't know. And th- this might be a personal question, but but a big question related to this: What would it take for someone to uh, from your past who who didn't agree with your lifestyle or who didn't care about you to come back and say, "Hey, man, I want to reengage a relationship." What, what would it take from them? Uh, a willingness to have a conversation and to accept the fact that I didn't choose to be gay. Um, I mean, high school was not. There's there, there's there's a reason I'm saying this. High school was not a very pleasant time for me. Um, you know, I definitely, I had some, had some friends, um, but I had a lot of people that made fun of me and I only went back to one reunion and it was really, so I go back so I could be like super gay. Like, dude, I wore like the gayest pants and like a tight <laughs> shirt. Like I was like, I don't even give two flips. Um, but this, awesome. this, this, it was actually, I was proud of myself. Um, <laughs> this, this, uh, this guy who really kind of made my high school career living hell came up to me and said, Hey, listen, I wanted to apologize. I was hoping I would see you. Um, I made your life a nightmare for no reason. And he was like, I was pretty, I was a very shy, insecure person, but I knew that if I picked on you, they wouldn't pick on me. Mm. And I was like, and I mean, it took everything I had not to cry at that moment because that's, that's something that you dream of, but it never really happens. So it takes something like that. You know, like I, I still don't get how we're in, you know, whatever year we're in 2020, I think. Yeah. 2020. That's right. Um, I think I've tried to block it out, um, that people really still choose to believe that like. It, it, like if I had a choice, why would I still choose to be gay? Mm. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, today, I, today I actually would, but like it growing up, why would I choose this? Um, right. you know, this is, am I, can I be crass? Am I allowed to be crass? Can I be please, crass? please. Okay. Okay. Sir. Okay. So I was having a very heated conversation with a, with a gentleman one time, a little older than me, conservative gentleman. And he just wasn't like not getting it. And I was being very patient. Um, and finally I was like, dude, how big is your dick? And he was like, I'm sorry what? And I was like, do you have a big dick? And he was like, I don't think that's relevant. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna take that as a no. So you don't have a big dick. And he was like, okay, well, it's medium size. I was like, great. Did you choose to have a medium size dick? Would it be, could it be bigger if you wanted to be bigger? Like, could you actually change the size of your dick? And he was like, no. And I was like, bro, stop being a dick because I actually can't choose that I'm gay. And he was like, I think you just, I think you were just scared of what was coming next. So you, so exited the conversation and like, I don't think that's the best analogy in the world, but it's the same damn thing. Like, like it's, it is literally a thing that, that a dude, no matter how many times you go to the gym, it's not going to change. Like, it's not going to change. Like I, I can't make this go away. So sometimes I think for people, I choose at least just to go in. Like I, I'm, I am polite and happy and, but at other times I'm like, nope, we're just, I'm tired of this bullshit. Let's let's have a conversation. Yeah, it's it's baffling to me with with, with all the people I've worked, I've interacted with when started this podcast and 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 now yourself included. It's it's just it's baffling that it, in any facet of life, people could be just so dismissive to someone who's not like them, because you're. I mean, people are just so generally they're good. They're t- good. You're a good conversation yeah. to have, and I I don't I genuinely don't get it. And I think that might be part of the problem too. On the other side, like on our side where we want to try to fix this problem is that we don't understand sometimes how to step into their shoes when, you know, they're not inherently bad people. They're just closed minded in certain areas and they're there. Maybe they haven't had the right moment in their life to change. Um, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, maybe that's they a, haven't been given the grace. Yeah. And maybe that's the case. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's tough to navigate that. I think, um, yeah. But well, I, I mean, also, I think we're also kind of dancing a little bit around. We also have to. Re- uh, religion has yeah. become a. So like, like, so like sinner equals bad. OK, well, then we're all bad. Mm-hmm. So, it, OK, so is that where we're going to go from? Um, and I really I've got to memorize this quote because I talk about it all the time and I can't memorize it exactly. And I'll send it to you. But um, it, it is astonishing the number of Christians who believe that love the sin or hate the sin is actually in the Bible. It's astonishing. It's not in the Bible. Gandhi said it, and you're even misquoting Gandhi. Like if you would read the entire quote, Gandhi actually said that's not possible. So it's like it's like the 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 religious, well, let me not say Christian. Let me use religious. Religiousites out there have adopted this thing of like, you know what, I'm gonna love you. You know, I've, there, there literally was a person in, uh, in, in my husband and in, in my life who they actually chose to reach out to let us know that they loved us, even though they were voting for Trump. And I was like, 
I think we could have just not had this conversation. Like, I just don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why you woke up today thinking you need to have this conversation. But so what they were saying is like, I, I love you. I love you. But like, you're also sinning. And I'm like, yep, yep. Nope. Like this, this, we're not doing this. So as we talk about like mental health, as we talk about the, 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 uh, the prison system, as we talk about, you know, um, people who've made some bad choices, if we're going to have separation of church and state, then forking have separation of church and state and stop bringing your religious beliefs. And I'm using religious on purpose, religious beliefs into this conversation for you then to pre pre make a decision about somebody because they're not like you or they've made they've created they've done a sin. OK, well, then are we reading the Old Testament or the New Testament? I mean, I could I could do this for days. It 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 it, it as you can tell, it like makes my blood boil. Yeah, it's almost like the the equivalent to the the, the southern phrase "bless your soul." It, it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's 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 an insult. It's it's said so nicely, but it's an insult, or it can be an insult. Yeah, I mean, people bless your heart, and I'm like, yeah, bless oh, your heart. I'm I'm like I'm from the south. I know what that means. Don't play with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a big it's a big like blooming onion, and it's it's like when you one like when you pull one thing back. And you're like, okay, I made progress here. There's like 45 more pieces of the Blooming Onion that are like staring at you. Yeah, religion's a touchy topic for, I mean, uh, numerous reasons. But I, I think I, it's it's been injected into our conversation more than it ever should be. And I, I don't know why that is in the last 10 years. It's been more so. I, I, maybe mm-hmm. it's just because everything's more hyper-connected with, the, with, with social media and politics all kind of combined into one disgusting platter. Um, but... I don't know. I, I think I think it takes people like you, people like like me to, to help platform people like you to to get out there and, and do the grassroots work and work with mental health uh, and, and really shed some light on the issues that we face, because it's a it's an unsung issue and full of unsung heroes that are that are not thanked. And I said earlier that affirmation is one of my favorite words. And I, I think I thrive on affirmation. I love getting told that I'm doing something good. Um are you so, a love language guy? Are you a five love languages guy? Is that how you know this? Yeah. Have you read that? Yeah. Five, the five yeah. love languages? Yeah. 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 Is that, yeah. Is, that, is, that your, is that your off the chart love language words of affirmation? I would say so. Do, do you give and receive love that way? I try to. Try to? Okay. Okay. If, you, if you're listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, read the book. Um, even, and, and let me just tell you, if you're not religious... Just read, just read the book for, in my opinion, read the book for what it's worth. I think there's also a secular version now. I think that they, yeah. he had so many issues of like, I can't get this message out because it's talking about Jesus. You know, if, if Jesus is not your jam, um, if you're in a relationship, it'll transform your relationship. If you're a manager, it'll transform the way that you lead others. It's called yes. the five love languages, um, especially if the way you give and receive love are differently. And I'm like that, um, which, so I'm, I'm a lot to be to date and be married to just PS. Um, but it's, it, 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 it really helps to know the people you're working with, you know, what, what, how they receive love. Um, cause it may not be the way that you receive love. Um, so Alan here is a words of affirmation guy in case anybody wanted to know, um, that's the way you're going to get to, that's where you're going to get to his heart words of affirmation. I've, I've been found out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I got that. I mean, I got to experience affirmation in in a really unique way when I, I actually got to sit down with people who were in a really tough spot, who who might be dealing with a mental health issue to begin with, but now they're thrust into this court system that doesn't system. treat them like a person, and it's it's just yeah. a horrible experience that is not fair to anyone, um, and it's also not fair to certain people, even more so, which is very frustrating to watch. But getting to tell that person who it's like, okay, this is your 75th uh, a trip to court. This is your 75th time paying for parking because the county is dumb and wants your money. And every single time you've come to court, it's been five minutes of a status conference and there's no change to the discovery and your lawyers suck. Um, but you can come to my office and I can tell you that, you know, hey, I can connect you with these community services that I have access to, that I can be a, a, a professional resource because sometimes they don't want to hear from you. They want to hear from me first as a as almost like a vetting process, which is also frustrating frustrating, but, uh, I can help you and I, you're doing a good job. You come in here every week, you come in here and, and talk to me about whatever you want to talk about. You, you, you always respond to my emails or my texts. I appreciate that. And you, you know, keep up the good work because it just takes that one step. And for me, I'm a big fitness junkie. I love going to the gym and working out, but 
It's always about taking the smallest steps that are achievable, achievable goals, rather than saying, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. No. How about you just wake up an hour earlier and and go for a jog? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think, I think, you know, part of the, part of what you're talking about there as well is, so if, if you're listening to this and when you were in high school or college, you smoked pot a few times and then you just stopped, good for you. Mm-hmm. We are built differently. The human that just heard me say that, you and I are built very differently. So by the time people, and I don't know this for all facts for all the people, but for, I would say 90% of the people that Alan came in contact with that were in, that were kind of in a hamster wheel of the, of the, of the, the, the system, we can't just stop by that point. Like you did drugs that, that one or two time you smoked pot is because you and your fraternity brothers did, or your, your dorm, or, you know, when you were in, in the service, you, you all smoked some pot when you were off, whatever, however all that works. Um, that's not what it's like when you're, uh, when you're in active addiction, like, I'm using at that point to stay alive. And because if I don't, the feelings that I am pushing down so far, they will rise up. And then the choice I make is different that day. Like then mm-hmm. I'm not here the next day. So, and somehow we have to get people to understand that because all, so people are like, well, I spoke about a few times and I quit. Then you're not an addict. So then what, what are you trying to bring to this conversation other than acceptance? Because you got nothing to add right now. Right. That's all you got to add is acceptance. And I'm not exactly sure how we get, get that through to people. But that's also a really important piece of the picture is people understanding like drugs aren't fun anymore when they get to that point. When they get to the point that someone's seeing you or they're on their 50th drug charge, it's not fun. And it's not like I'm going to have a good time. No, it's like I'm trying to stay alive. Right. And I think also part of the normalization process would include, I think, people who people who are able to have, uh, whether it be a drink or have recreational pot here and there or smoke sure. tobacco, don't, uh, wow. allow them to be a part of the conversation because, hey man, if like, and, and you know me, and I, I, I've, I've enjoyed whiskey, but I do so <laughs> I responsibly. I'm so bad you're not drinking whiskey today. I'm not kidding. I feel so bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, 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 I chose to. It's also three o'clock and I, I got back from the gym. And I'm like, I don't want to drink right now. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy the occasional whiskey and I, I, and, and cigar and I, I, I enjoy my vices, but that does not mean that I'm the same as someone who can't do those things. However, recognizing that and being able to have a conversation and I can still help you and have a conversation to prop sure. up your story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Recognition, acceptance, and grace. We need a lot. We need a lot more of that and a lot less judgment. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate today that I can stand in front of, you know, crowds of sometimes thousands of people. I can't wait to stand in front of people again. Dude, I can't wait to get on an airplane and listen to them talk about the peanuts and the mask and the seatbelts. I can't <laughs> wait. But like, you know, I can stand in front of people and I can talk about sticking a needle in my arm and I can talk about trying to take my life. And it's it's seen as like brave. And, you know, we're so grateful that you have this conversation. But yet, if you talk to someone who's like struggling and they're hurting like it, when I see people that are in the throes of active, active addiction, it is painful to me. Mm. And I'm like, why can't you look at that person and say, wow, it's brave that you're trying. Why am I brave today? But like, dude out here isn't brave. It needs to be flipped. Like, I'm just, I'm just blessed today. That's what I am. That dude is brave. That young woman is brave. Yeah, that young man is brave. Trying to fight through back from hell. But they're not, they're not seen like that. They're not seen the way that I am. And that's, that, um, that makes me sad. That was going to ask you, has you, have you, have you gotten to the point or will you, do you think you'll ever get to the point where you just kind of tell people to like, okay, stop it. I, 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 I finished my problems. I'm helping others now. Stop telling me good job. Yeah, dude. It's, um, so I think the reason that I don't, so I used to be a performer, uh, performing was my first love. And, um, I never thought that I would find anything I loved as much as singing and dancing. Like I kind of felt like that was what I was born to do. And now I, I, now I know this is what I was born to do. Um, but the performing aspect of it, really helps me on stage because there are some really smart people and some people with great stories, but like zero stage presence. And I don't have that problem. I have the abundance of stage presence. Um, so, but I, I, I remember it was my first national tour and I was so uncomfortable people saying, gosh, you have the voice of an angel. And you, like, you, you're so good up there. And I'd be like, eh! like I would literally retreat into myself. And one of the other performers said, you know, every time you do that, you're robbing that person of their joy. So literally just say thank you and mm. walk away. 
Uh, because I'd be like, oh, well, you know, everyone can sing. Oh, no, you know, I mean, I messed up, but, you know, second act. Like, I would, like, vomit stuff. And they were like, why don't you just try thank you? And so to, today I just say, you know, thank you. I appreciate it so much. But I'll say, but listen, let me tell you, from the survey results I just got, your humans are hurting. So thank you so much. How can we help your people? Because that's what's, that's what's more important. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I know we're we're encroaching here on an hour. Uh I want to just give you the the floor to pitch pitch your tell me about your uh your company what you started and why you started it uh i know we already talked about why you started it but tell me more about it and uh where can people find information on you and how to get a hold of you if they, if they want to get in touch yeah 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 um yeah so uh the company's called archie cares because i um if i'm going to be a small business owner and own a company then damn it i'm going to own a company that says what i mean um, so it's just called, <laughs> just called archie cares that's perfect uh, but yeah um uh my goal is to, like you said it's to reframe the perception surrounding mental illness and addiction and we focus on feelings and having honest conversations whether that be a high school sports team or a theater department or a college group or a, a group in corporate america um nonprofit or for profit uh, I just really, what I try to do, um, I won't say try, I justify, I, I qualify my thing, myself a lot. Um, what I do is uh, allow people to, first of all, feel comfortable because I'm very honest from the very beginning. I tell you my story within the first five minutes of the presentation every time so that you know this guy is no joke and I can, tr I, I can trust him. And so they lean in and they listen. And we talk about um, what, does, what does depression look like? How might it show up, especially now, like my presentations changed dramatically after March. There's so much that's different now. Mm -hmm. um, and really and truly, so, all of us really got to experience what depression feels like at the macro level in March and April. Like all of you wonder, like, what does it feel like to be like Archie? Well, you, you, you felt it. That's what it felt like. It feels like that, like all the time, that fear and worry, anxiety and unknown. That's my brain most of the time. So, you know, what does it look like? Um, but then like really more importantly, uh, how do you how do you engage in conversations? What do you say? And then I also tell people what is not helpful. There's so many things that we say, uh, really kind of unintentionally, I believe, that are just unhelpful in so many ways. And so we really spend some time really unpacking each situation. And here's how to here's how to lean into this conversation. I also um, so whether it's mental health, whether it's depression, um, suicide training is something we've got to start talking about at the non collegiate level. I mean, I've. In my time in corporate America, I never once went to a training or a seminar about suicide, like not once. So if you don't get it when you're in college, you don't have any idea the questions you should be asking when you're mm -hmm. worried that someone might be considering that. So it's got to become commonplace. Um, but then I also end every conversation, um, every every program I do, um, making sure people are challenged to start asking different questions. And so what I mean by that is I think that we are trained to lie about 30 times a day. We are we are trained that when someone says, how are you? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing now? Yeah, man, how are you? Like literally nothing just happened. That was just like verbal diarrhea. So <laughs> I, I say, hey, Alan, how are you feeling today? Because that gives you permission to actually talk about how you feel. And if, if, if you don't like the word feeling, just anything other than how are you today? And then when someone does ask you, because I can't change the world, um, but so when, when someone does say, or at the gym, hey, Alan, how's it going today? You know what? I, I'm, I'm hurting today. Like you have just, just by that, just by that one honest answer, we're beginning to normalize that I don't have to be perfect every day. I don't have to be happy every day. Like the word fine is nowhere on a feeling chart, nowhere, but we've just become a culture of fine. So I, I, and, and to your point about like, I'm not asking you to lose 30 pounds. I'm not asking you to like wake up and eat sawdust every morning. I'm literally just saying, can you change the way you interact with people on a daily basis? Because by doing that, you are giving power to it not being okay every day. And so that, that's what I do. You can find all my information at archiecares.com. Um, or if you want to follow on Instagram and see the cutest kid in the world and a lot of mental health stuff, um, it's The Arch Star. Wonderful. Well, Archie, you are a beautiful human being. I appreciate all the work you do. Uh, this was such an awesome conversation. I, 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 I want to... I just want to prop your story up and others and, and try to help solve this issue because I think the voices from people like yourself who have experienced certain things are, are the most important voices we have out there. So oh, thank you so much. It's it actually it means a lot to me because I, I I'm having flashbacks of people who I've worked with and developed rapport with and relationships with in my past my past life. So thank you so much. Thanks for letting me be here. I appreciate it. It was a it was a great conversation.
Absolutely, man. So take care. Thank you for joining the Kogan Conversation. Be sure to like, share, and follow us on all social media platforms. This podcast is available in video form on Facebook and YouTube and audio on all platforms where podcasts are supported. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just a few bucks a month can really help us grow. Visit us online at www.thekoganconvo.com for more details.